Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hey, Mary, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So um, I feel like it's been like a while since we chatted. (laughs) (laughs) But I always feel that. Like, you know, I think we should live communally together. Yeah, you're right. And then we can check in with each other all the time. I agree. This, this, This seeing each other once a week is not even enough. I know, it's not. We did have those dreams of... Of having this communal housing, you, yours was going to be all like rocky. Mine's and Fieldstone, Fieldstone, and Bruce's this log. Yeah, that's my husband Bruce. He's yeah. going to have a log home. Yeah. We're going to live together, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm watching this fun show right now on TV. It's called Escape to the Chateau. I love it. Mm. And maybe we should just buy a chateau in France and I'll go live Whoa. there. I think that. Yeah, no, it's not a bad idea because um, when we were in France uh, last year, um, there was a chateau that a family had chosen to buy. They turned it into a winery and they bought it for a dime. Oh, I mean, it's, let's do they're, it. they're so inexpensive. The main cost, of course, is the maintenance, the fixing, and the electricity. But you know, it could be fun. Hey, so I wonder what would actually like happen if you just went for it. So we're going to talk about facing fears yeah. on this um, on this episode. And I think that what I love about watching this show, Escape to the Chateau, is that this couple actually just had to like lay the money down and buy this decrepit chateau, which had no plumbing, no sewage, no electricity, like the roof had, you know, all these major things. And they just did it. I don't know if that's not faith. It's more like... Wow. I don't know. That's guts. Craziness. That's guts. Okay, so how do we face our fears? This is a really big topic, I think. Mm-hmm. And I imagine from a clinical perspective, you can chat a lot about um, facing fear, what leads to fear, how to combat fear. Mm-hmm. I imagine that a lot of what you see in your office as a clinician mm-hmm. is fear-based. Oh, absolutely. Anxiety is like up the wazoo. And we know that anxiety is um, on the rise. Mm-hmm. We see statistics about it all the time. Yeah, We know that it's on the rise in children and mm-hmm. teens. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that there's also some parents listening in right now who are listening with a keen ear because mm-hmm. they would like to help their child manage their anxiety and fear right. as well. Right. So talk to us. Uh, yeah. Well, um, fear is actually a survival mechanism that the Lord has built into us. It's a good thing. Yeah. Because it warns us uh, if we're going to head into danger so mm-hmm. that we could, you know, get get out of the situation. And so fear is from the time a child is born, that's a natural instinct. And uh it, it, when you have an experience that causes fear, um, adrenaline gets released into your system so that you can run faster, you can think more clearly, all this great mm-hmm. stuff happens mm-hmm. to help you to survive. So the problem is because of um, beliefs we may have, because of trauma, because of situation, whatever it might be, and sometimes there's also a physiological, biological reason, it's almost like our fear 
um, lever gets stuck. Okay. And we the alert goes off to things that logically we know are not dangerous. Okay. And uh, the more that sort of brain patterning gets exercised, the more it gets reinforced and it becomes habitual. So that you start to think about things with this sense of anxiety and fear and always expecting the worst case scenario or the other shoe to drop and tendency to catastrophize what could happen. And the thing is, there's always data. You can read something online and so-and-so happened to, this thing happened to so-and-so and it's like, oh, oh my goodness. And you don't look at the stats and realize that a plane crashing happens one out of a billion times, right? you just automatically go, the next time I'm on a plane, I bet you it's going to crash. Right. And then a lot of anxiety, a lot of suffering happens because they're real felt symptoms. And so your body goes into quite a lot of turmoil. So that is uh, some of the uh, what happens. Uh, on top of that, if you have experienced trauma, and trauma could be um, emotional, psychological, physical, your brain then begins to say, oh, it's almost like in a constant state of danger. Okay. So trauma then leads the brain to be hyper-responsive to perceived threat in the environment. And it could be a smell, it could be a sight, anything that makes your brain go, oh, I'm in danger. Right. And so then you go into that response, defensive, protective, whatever that it is. That kicks off a that whole... That kicks off a whole... Yeah. yeah. And so now events. They, they've now got a term for, they're calling it limbic system... Injury, and that's just a big fancy uh, word for the part of the brain that manages our memories, our fears, our emotions, our reactions, and all of that. So, for instance, like we know that um, we know that smells can trigger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Memories from childhood and Absolutely. things like that, good and bad. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading uh, in Romeo Dallaire's account of mm-hmm. his uh, struggles with PTSD during the Rwandan crisis mm-hmm. that he couldn't go into a grocery store, right? Because there were smells in the grocery store that would trigger a traumatic response, right? Right. And and so the thing that people don't realize is how much our repeated thoughts. And our responses to avoid reinforces that track in our brain. Okay. So that's the the science of it. And in there lies the solution to it as well. Mm. So um, when you are about to approach a situation that you're afraid of, you're going to see your anxiety rise. And what most people do at that instance is they'll run away from the situation so that their anxiety will come down. So they're escaping, basically. So they're escaping it. Yeah. In fact, escape and avoidance is one of your number one strategies that people use with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And if you're a parent and your child has anxiety, they can show a lot of extreme meltdown type behavior. So as parents, especially if you're in a public setting, you just want to shut it all down. So often... Uh, certainly I did, you will reinforce it by removing the child from the situation they're afraid of. So that lowers the anxiety for the moment. But what it's now done to the brain, it reinforces that that situation is dangerous. So the next time you approach that same situation again, or even think about it, the anxiety comes up again. And over time, as you continue to avoid it, the anxiety becomes insurmountable in your brain, the situation, the fear. So the the strategy is, is that you are going to want to face the thing you're afraid of, push through 
the height of that anxiety and come out the other side. And you, a few things happen. Uh, number one, your body cannot maintain that same level of hyperarousal, so it will eventually come down. But number two, you have an experience of success oh. where you survive the thing that you were afraid of. And number three, most likely the thing that you were afraid of actually didn't happen. And right. if you have repeated success of facing the thing you're afraid of and coming out the other side, this is where resilience grows. And your brain then has the wiring to kind of go, this I'm, This is familiar, I can do this. So that when I'm facing that situation, again, I've had enough times of success, I don't even feel anxious anymore because I know I'm going to be okay. So when I'm treating people with anxiety, I never say to them, your goal is to get rid of all your anxiety because that's not possible. And in fact, that's like survival. Like I said, you do need to have fear. It's that you have the confidence to know that you will be okay. That when you feel anxious, you have the tools to deal with it. You have the resilience to get through this. And for people of faith, Mm -hmm. that your faith uh, will help you and God will help you through that as well. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of it. And it it, it may sound scary for those of you who have anxieties, like, I can't face that thing I'm afraid of. There are many strategies around it. There's using your imagination rather than real time facing it. And of course, if underlying your anxious response or panic attack is unresolved trauma, then that's what we'd be looking at. Uh, I've had trauma therapy and I can now think about the situations that in the past would have paralyzed me Mm. and I can feel completely neutral Mm. about it. And so it no longer holds me back. So there is definite hope for people who are suffering from anxiety yes. and from trauma. Yes, absolutely. And you as a therapist mm-hmm. and um, a psychologist can definitely speak to that, not only from personal experience, mm-hmm. but also because you've seen it play out in your right. practice right? with the yeah. right tools. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, you know, one thing that makes me sad is uh, how often fear holds people back from living the full life. Yeah. You know, that like there's so much to experience and so many people to meet and so many things to try and and risk that the Lord wants us to take and ministry. But if fear is always there edging at your mind, then it's going to hold you back. Of course. And so I... And then how are you actually living? How are you actually living? You're white knuckling your way through life. And do I want to get to the other, you know, this chapter of my life um, and not experience the fullness of life right. because I'm allowing fear to hold me back. That's right. And I mean, clearly there's a point where I need to make the choice. Do I need help with this? Yes. Do I need to process this fear so I can live the life mm-hmm. I want to lead? Mm-hmm. Um, or am I going to settle and just go, no, this is, this is all I've got. Right. And the other thing too with avoidance is you can literally not cause yourself any fear. Just make your life as small as possible. Oh, I don't You're want to live like that. You're afraid of heights? Just never go up and you'll never feel afraid. You're afraid of public speaking? Well, just never do any public speaking and you'll never feel. So people sometimes can fool themselves into saying, I'm not a fearful person. I'm not afraid. But you look at their life and I'll say to them, you might not feel afraid, but are you acting fear right. in their life? So, um, yeah, I I, I I would love to, I, I know you have a story, um, and we prepared for this podcast with my prepping, drilling with this, because uh, I know you accidentally faced a fear. I did. Yeah. So um, I don't know where this fear came from, because I don't know the root of it. So after I had my son, um, I became like, like so afraid of heights. 
And I hadn't been afraid of heights before that. Mm -hmm. And so um, going up an open staircase in a mall would just scare living daylights out of me. I'd actually, like, I don't want to crawl up on my hands and knees because I was so shaky. Mm. Wow. So uh, there was this one time I'm volunteering at Camp Minioli up in Muskoka, and um, they had opened the zip line for the adult volunteers and all my friends were doing it and I was faking my way all day long. Yeah, we're going to zip line tonight, knowing that I was going to have to climb this pole Mm. to get to the zip line. So you were actually going to do it? I was going to do it because I'm an eight. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You can't show your fear in front no. of others. And so your pride got oh, you there. Oh, total pride. <laughs> so all day long, I'm in knots. Like I'm in knots about having to do the zip line, but there's no way I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to manage it. Long story short, um, I was hung up doing something, like like legitimately hung up doing something. And I couldn't get to the zip line when our window of opportunity was available because you had to have light. So at the very last minute, I'm throwing on my bathing suit and I'm running mm. to the zipline pole. Mm-hmm. And they're yelling at me, come on, Jillian, come on, Jillian. We got to close it down because we're losing light. <laughs> so I didn't have any time to think about it. Mm-hmm. I scrambled up that pole mm. like I was a pro. Wow. I don't even remember the putting me in the harnessy thing and putting my hands through the little holder thing. And then all of a sudden... The director was just giving me a shove off the pole I went, and I'm screaming with delight. (laughs) And then I realized my delight was because I didn't have time to think about it in Mm. the moment at all. I Mm. just did it. Did it. That's right. I literally just took a leap of faith. And you had no choice because you were running late. I was running late. And they were about to close it down. They were holding it open for me, knowing that I was on my way, but we were losing light and we couldn't do it in the dark. So you had the determination you were going to do it because you're not going to look like, (laughs) yeah, so pride. (laughs) But then there was accountability because you told them, so they're holding a spot for you. Yes. And then you just had to take action. In this case, like God was merciful because had you had time to think about it, uh, you might not have been able to make I don't think I would have run. Right. I think I would have dawdled. <laughs> yes. And you might not have been able to make it. Like, I remember also at a camp, I was with this uh, young man who wanted to show how brave he was. So he was one of the first to volunteer. And he was able to get up there, got up to the top. This was for one of those uh, jumpy things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bungee cord, whatever Bungee cord, thing? jumpy yeah. thing. And uh, he froze. Yeah. And he kept the line like for half an hour. We could not get him off of it until finally I inched my way up. Talk, 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 pushed. I had to push him off. Um, So that is so true that when you slow down and actually think about it, your brain goes into woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's right. You think about all the worst case disasters that could happen. And afterwards, I was so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And actually, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to do it again. Wow. But we couldn't because it was dark at that point. Mm -hmm. And have I done it since? Absolutely. Right. And am I still kind of shaky with heights? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I'm... I know I can push through. Right. I know I can leverage that experience right. to push through. Right. So you just demonstrate the principle of facing the thing you're afraid of, anxieties, uh, torquing up. Yeah. But you pushed through, you got through it, and you actually enjoyed it. Your anxiety came down. You knew you survived it. The disaster that you thought could happen didn't happen. That's right. And you're going to do it again, and you did do it again. And I think for me, the takeaway from that was that I do have a tendency to overthink, overanalyze, mm-hmm. and 
and I can talk myself out of things mm-hmm. for all lots of good reasons. Right. And I know that in my own life, there's a point where I just have to act. Right. I have to take that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I have to act and do the thing. And I actually feel really proud of myself mm-hmm. and really... Um, I feel like this adrenaline thing, mm-hmm. and I feel like I can then use that the next time I face a scary thing right. to help me through it. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned about overthinking things, and that that kind of triggered a thought for me, is that uh, if you're a parent and you're listening and you know one of your kids has anxiety, um, that often uh, we have seen a strong association with uh, very bright kids who are sensitive mm-hmm. and who are analytical and notice things, uh, also have a, a propensity towards anxiety because it's like their little brains... Um, can understand or see things more than their emotional maturity can handle. And so they're kind of like, this is scary. I don't know what to do. And so then they have these anxious experiences. And and it's not unusual for anxious kids to have anxious parents too. And so I will acknowledge uh, one of my kids uh, has struggled with anxiety and I know it comes from me. Uh, my family line has anxiety. Uh, so there's a genetic component, but also part of the way, like my mom used to always hover and say, don't be careful of this, be careful of that. I had to be so conscious of not passing it on. But I would say that because I was aware and I, you know, thankfully have the tools as a psychologist, I was consciously equipping my child to be able to face uh, their anxiety and, um, you know, walking that fine line of not uh, just because this child's feeling intense emotion, that that doesn't mean they shouldn't face the thing that they're afraid of. Right. To soothe the child, calm them down, uh, teach them strategies to be able to do it for themselves. Deep breathing. There's lots of really great uh, workbooks and games that you can play with. And your I kids. think you've done some teaching on this as well I that have. we could put a link to. That's a good idea, right? Actually, that's great. Um, now that you mention it, on my website I have a four-part um, parenting CD series. Yeah, and uh, they're free downloadables because it, w- it was recorded on a. CDs and so I've just got it so it's a stream and you can just download it. Wonderful because that I think I mean I can think of a few parents Mm -hmm. having been a family ministry pastor for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I mean this was a hot topic Mm -hmm. right and parents parents really get upset when they see their child struggling and they want to help their child and sometimes they're actually doing more to hurt their child with anxiety than help. Well because when my child's anxious it increases my anxiety. Of course and we all want to feel good right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put the link up to those uh, teaching modules mm-hmm. uh, because I think there'll be a lot of parents that will be listening. And if you have a friend or a family member whose child is suffering from anxiety, be sure to pass along these links because I think they'll be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And we want to, again, equip, encourage, and empower you to live fully lived lives mm-hmm. and lives of abundance and happiness yes. and joy. Yes. And if we can help you to help others, mm-hmm. that's gold. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite people to talk to are those who have overcome anxiety mm-hmm. because they are such courageous people. Um, you know, when you carry around the weight of anxiety, you are carrying around a 200-pack weight 
of doing life. And and it takes courage to do life when you have anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and it takes courage to face your anxiety, to learn strategies to deal with it. And nowadays there's just so many things out there that can help you so that you're not held hostage to your anxiety. And uh, for you parents with kids, um, start them off already learning these tools. And if it's beyond your ability to handle it, um, you know, there's great child therapists who are who will specialize in this and it's so worth it. Yeah. What a gift it can be to your child to get them on the road to recovery mm-hmm. and resilience mm-hmm. uh, from the, the trappings of anxiety early in life Yeah, so that they can live a fully lived life too. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for your clinical insight today. And we hope that that has been a blessing to you listeners and a great tool for your toolkit as you navigate life towards the fully lived life. Again, we'll put all the links in the show notes. So they'll all be there for you. Yeah. And thank you, Jillian, for sharing your story. I, mean, <laughs> I laughed through it, but I could also picture you <laughs> doing it, which is good. It's going to be that thing that I keep in my mind. The next I'm just time glad I'm there was no video of it. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> anyway. All right. Take, take care. care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.